Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Cedric, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. This is our final episode in Magical Month and it seems only fitting that we're going to have a look at alchemy, which is something I've actually been fascinated by for years not least because of the fantastic Japanese anime Fullmetal Alchemist, but just generally, if ever I say that there's an alchemy exhibition on, I will go and see it. And no, I've never made it work yet, for reasons that will become apparent as we go through this episode. Now, if you mention alchemy to most people, they'll either think of the Philosopher's Stone, or they'll think about turning lead into gold, and there will be a third group of people who'll think of the alchemy episode of the second series of Blackadder. But that's a side issue. The thing that I think most people don't really realise, and that's fine because obviously that's why you listen to the podcast, is that alchemy was actually more of a worldview according to the oldest texts that were written in Greek. Now they only came to Europe via the Middle East after they'd been translated into Arabic. And uh, an actual modern practitioner of alchemy, Robert Allen Bartlett, makes a claim that alchemy actually originated in Egypt. And when the Greeks arrived, they loved Egypt, so they renamed it Chem, which referred, I think it translates as the Black Land, referring to the way that the, the land looked after the Nile flooded. Now, Sophie Page explains that this fusion of Greek and Egyptian traditions gives us the legendary alchemist Hermes Trismegistus, not easy to say. And many believe that he'd actually written a whole range of texts about alchemy, magic, astrology. It is more likely that he's actually a mythical figure and Colton Swab makes the point that his texts might have actually come from like an anonymous collective of authors instead of one individual person. But basically Hermes Trismegistus is the fusion of Hermes from the Greek gods and Thoth from the Egyptian gods, who is basically like the god of magic and, and, and alchemy and so on. But anyway, whether he was real or not, the text did exist, and the Greeks actually amassed all of this alchemical knowledge at the Great Library of Alexandria. Now, according to Bartlett, the Romans torched the library to prevent people learning alchemy and flooding the market with imitation gold. Obviously, they just literally went in and burned everything rather than just the alchemy section, but I'll leave it up to you how plausible you find that. Anyway... Alchemy moved to the Middle East because basically the the Greeks who were in Egypt essentially wanted to get away from the Roman Empire. If you're going to be burning books, I can absolutely understand why that would be the case. And Chemia, the Greek name for alchemy, which was basically the Egyptian art, became the Arabic phrase alchemia. And at its heart was this idea of transmutation, which is basically the change of one thing into another. And most famously, the medieval alchemists wanted to change common metals into rare ones. Now, modern scientists recognise metals as being individual elements. So you've got things like gold, magnesium, tin. But alchemists in earlier eras didn't have the periodic table to help them. And they actually had this conception of metals like gold as being sort of a more spiritually evolved version of a metal like lead. 
So when you were doing alchemy, you weren't turning lead into gold. You were helping lead evolve into gold. And that does sound crazy, but let's be honest, how many things that we've got now would have sounded crazy 50 years ago, even 10 years ago. Anyway, alchemy wasn't actually always driven by greed, surprisingly, although obviously that did have a part in it. And alchemists actually believed that everything in nature was made up of the four elements, earth, air, fire and water change the proportions of those things and you'd ultimately change whatever it was you had in front of you. Now I should quickly point out here that in some of the alchemical texts earth does not necessarily refer to actual physical earth it's more a set of qualities that you can then ascribe to different things and it's the same with air fire and water so it doesn't necessarily mean oh you know if I mix earth and water I will get this I mean you'd generally get mud but that's just a side issue that it is kind of sometimes they just refer to the qualities that these things represent if not necessarily the element itself keep that in mind so it's the spiritual dimension of alchemy that drives these early scientists to try and balance the proportions of the elements in lead to get gold but they also needed to use astrology to get the timings right and obviously astrology is going to keep coming up every time we mention medieval magic now marie louise von franz who did a lot of work with Carl Jung relates a concept from ancient Egypt that chemical processes don't happen of themselves but only at the astrologically right moment. So if an alchemist wanted to combine silver and copper then the planets of those metals which would be the moon and Venus needed to be in the right constellation which let's be honest gives you a neat excuse if your alchemy doesn't work. So the way that you turned lead into gold was you used the Philosopher's Stone. Obviously, if you've seen Harry Potter, and I'd imagine most people have, this takes the form of a somewhat unprepossessing lump of rock. In reality, alchemists thought it was probably more likely a powder or even a liquid. And it was generally a red powder. I think there was a white powder which would help you make silver. And if you try to find this stone, you were engaging in the great work or magnum opus, which now seems to be applied to basically any great creative work. Now, the first ingredient that you needed was the primer materia or first matter. And this was basically what all the other elements sprang from. So not necessarily something you can buy on eBay. Now, Edward Kelly, who we met a few weeks ago in the John Day episode, he uh, claimed to possess the stone. His version was indeed a red powder. And apparently, and I'm saying apparently because, let's be honest, he was a known liar. If you heated some of this powder with a metal in a crucible, you would then produce gold. You don't really go around claiming you can do that if you can't. So obviously people started asking him to make gold for them and then he disappeared. So make of that what you will. And eventually people realised that this use of alchemy was probably nonsense. And it actually took a 16th century military surgeon to shift the practice of alchemy away from the pursuit of gold. And we know him as Paracelsus. And this is the point where alchemy actually kickstarts modern chemistry. Paracelsus was born as Theophrastus von Hohenheim in around 1493 in Switzerland. And he was a physician, surgeon, alchemist and astrologer. And obviously, like a lot of the earlier alchemists, he based a lot of his work on the idea of these four elements. And it was him that gave each element its own natural spirit. So earth had gnomes, fire had salamanders, Water had undines, which became conflated with the water nymphs that were talked about a good few weeks ago during July, and air had sylphs. 
thankfully he also gave us modern pharmacology and he actually believed in alchemy's original intent which was based around medicine so this is where alchemy diverts from the pursuit of wealth to the pursuit of health and Paracelsus thought that you could actually cure a patient once you knew whether it was a problem with the body, the soul, or the spirit. And using materials that were usually poisonous might cure the ailment in smaller doses. And to be honest, some of these cures included things like lead, mercury, and arsenic. And considering people used to use mercury to cure syphilis, you know, if the syphilis didn't kill you, the mercury probably would. Though it should be pointed out that Paracelsus did invent laudanum, and he also paved the way for germ theory because he realised that disease was being caused by something from outside the body, not just the body itself. And he also believed that mental illness was not caused by demons or anything like that. So he's actually an incredibly forward-thinking figure in history. And thankfully, other doctors took his lead and they then developed this particular field with a, a wider range of cures, shall we say. And chemistry largely took over from alchemy when Charles II actually granted the Royal Society a charter in 1660, which makes it the world's oldest national scientific institution. By the 17th century, alchemy has evolved into this mystical practice instead. And Isaac Newton, yes, he of the falling apple and laws of motion, was also an alchemist as well as a mathematician. And he didn't actually publish many of his findings because by his era, most people saw alchemy as medieval nonsense. And Newton was basically trying to decipher the writings of these previous alchemists. But everybody wrote in code, which you can sort of understand why. And his own alchemical writing is just as baffling as this earlier work. Owen Davies actually points out that people studied alchemy as late as the late 18th century. And you've then got occult groups like the Rosicrucians, the Order of the Hermetic Golden Dawn. All of these people, they all have this interest in alchemy. And when you get to the 19th century and then you have things like mesmerism coming out, which you look at it now and you're just like, what were you thinking? But in the, in, at the time, people thought it actually had legs. People thought, mm, hang on, the ancients might have been onto something after all. So you've then got all these kind of occult ideas around alchemy. But the medieval alchemy, which was changing one metal into another, had basically disappeared when chemistry became recognised as a science. And this is when people are actually now looking for elements. Um, there is some evidence that Paracelsus may have actually discovered hydrogen, but just not realised that's what he'd done. So instead, people studied alchemy for its spiritual qualities. And obviously this is an era where religion is starting to have less of a hold over people, so there's more space to examine these more esoteric ideas. And Bartlett actually describes alchemy as being the metamorphosis of matter orchestrated by spirit. And within alchemy, everything in the universe is connected and comes from this one source, the primer material that I mentioned earlier. And while everything is connected, it's also separated only by their rates of vibration. Now, this is funny for me anyway, because I've heard the modern day law of attraction and principles around things like manifestation are described in basically the exact same way. So it's all about you have to be on the right vibrational frequency as the thing that you want in order to attract it. I'm not going to say what I think of it, but there you go. You can always do a bit more research if you fancy. But Bartlett actually raises the point that modern science even acknowledges these vibratory rates, we just give them different names like light waves, infrared or sound frequencies. So, you know, atoms and molecules are vibrating, whether you believe that it's something that you can then influence with your thoughts or not, 
I'll leave that one up to you. But anyway, there's another hermetic law. There's actually seven in total, which concerns polarity and binaries like day and night or wet and dry. But the one that is actually quite useful to alchemy as a whole is the concept of having energy and matter as a polarity. And where scientists are trying to work out how energy animates matter, alchemists are trying to use energy to influence matter. So it's that you'll have heard phrases like mind over matter and things like that, or be careful what you wish for. The idea that you could somehow give give a thought form in the real world essentially is what they're talking about. And in this more mystical version of alchemy, the salt, sulfur and mercury that was really important to the medieval alchemy then become body, soul and spirit respective, respectively. So the transmutation isn't led into gold, it's actually spiritual development. So basically, does alchemy work? Well, totally depends on your definition of alchemy, because most of them agree that it involves a change of state from one thing to another. Now, that could be flour and eggs into cake, which essentially makes baking a form of alchemy. It could be turning love into hate, or vice versa. Uh, It could be turning greed into charity. Any of these things, it's changing one thing into something else that it wasn't before. Now, for New Age writers, this can often make alchemy a spiritual practice, as I said before, and anyone who undergoes a change as a result of a thing, whatever that thing might be, can be understood to have have undergone an alchemical process. Now, psychologists like Carl Jung saw alchemy as being about integrating aspects of the self to become whole, which, let's be honest, is not a bad goal in and of itself, but it's still changing from one thing to another. And for modern practitioners, alchemy is a lot more like chemistry, basically. And quite a lot of modern people do make preparations using minerals or plants. Now, in some cases, it's a lot closer to herbalism, but if you'd rather call it alchemy, you know, go ahead. I did watch a program where there was a guy describing himself as an alchemist and he literally made some herbal remedies. And um, quite frankly, they probably worked absolutely amazingly well, but it was quite fascinating watching what he was doing going, hmm, that's essentially pharmaceuticals. Anyway, but if we're talking about the physical practice of the medieval period and turning base metals into gold, nonsense. Because alchemy essentially depends on everything being made up of the four elements mercury, salt and sulphur. And if you adjust the proportions of a metal, you would then get gold. Well, we know today that atoms basically make up everything that we see, touch, consume and interact with. I mean, we've even split the atom. So you can't just adjust the number of atoms in an element. You can combine elements. So if you added two molecules of hydrogen to oxygen, you'd get water. If you put three molecules of hydrogen with nitrogen, you get ammonia. So you're taking two or more things and putting them together to create something that didn't exist before. So if you're going to use that definition of alchemy, then yes, it absolutely does work. But you're not going to be turning one single thing into something else. Not if you want it to be gold anyway. And most importantly, you can't seek immortality through the Philosopher's Stone. However, and I'm just going to leave you with this final thought, alchemy has not been a waste of time. Because as you can see with someone like Paracelsus, it was a really valuable stepping stone that took people into more modern fields like medicine, chemistry and pharmacology, all of which we absolutely rely on today. And alchemy also provided this really interesting entry point for later thinkers in the the 19th century in particular, 
into what has become modern ritual magic. So when you look at a lot of the magical practices that people follow now, you can trace them back to a lot of this stuff around alchemical principles. And obviously you've you've got modern alchemists who basically brought herbalism back to the masses. And quite frankly, when you consider the number of plants with wondrous qualities that I've featured both on this podcast and on my blog, I think it's probably fair to say that they actually have a point and that modern medicine has a lot to learn, even now from the natural world around us. So whether you think alchemy works or it doesn't, I'm going to leave that with you. But bear in mind a lot of the things that we've talked about today and decide which version of alchemy you prefer. I actually quite like the psychological one and I think there's a lot to be said for integrating aspects of your personality just in order to have a better time in life. But quite frankly, if somebody came to my door and went, here's some powder, if you mix this and some bog standard, I don't know, lithium together, you'll make gold. I'd probably give it a go, but that's just me. So anyway, that is the end of our discussion of alchemy. I absolutely love alchemy, sorry about that. Probably a bit more of a fangirl moment, much like the John Dee episode a couple of weeks ago. Speaking of the John Dee episode, I've had a couple of people since ask me if I would do an episode on psychogeography. I will link it to folklore, just in case you're wondering how, because if you know what psychogeography is, you might be going, I see, are you mad? I will link it to folklore, I promise. So we're going to have a look at that next week. If you have any other requests or anything that you'd like me to cover in September, please give me a shout and I will see you, I won't see you at all, you will hear me next week on Fabulous Folklore. So until then, have an absolutely fabulous time and I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!